tonight, not today. Amen. Caitlin made that little sermon bumper. So we think that's really cute and really cool. You know, young people, I don't even have never heard that song before, but I think it's funny anyway, because it's not today, Satan, right? That's what we're saying. Uh-uh, no, no, no. That's no, 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 uh-uh, Satan. So I have um, a message today in this Not Today Satan series titled, What's Coming Out of Your Mouth? What's Coming Out of Your Mouth? So I want to talk today about our words. So before I do that, if, uh, um, we're going to pray over the word real quick, and then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 4.13. So let's uh, ask the Lord to bless this. Father, I'm asking you for just your words and not mine. I thank you for the anointing and the residency of the Holy Spirit that's inside of me and for the word that you've given me. Now help me, God, in my weakness to convey what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. If you would, if you'd stand for the reading of the word, we do this out of honor to God's word. Scripture's real real short. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Are we having trouble back there? So if you got your Bibles, you version, you can turn in you version and follow along that the scriptures will be there. So I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we speak. Now, I can't remember all that stuff that pastor does where he says, well, you hold your Bibles up in the air. So let's, we're going to do this. He's going to shout it out, and then we're going to repeat it. Okay, so everybody hold your Bibles in the air, and we're going to say this thing that we always do every week. We're going to con- declare this. Pastor, and let us do your thing. I don't remember it. Over the word. Let us be a doer of your word, you know. Heavenly Father, today. This week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, my spirit, and my soul, and my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Look, Geneva, she knows it. She's over here saying it with Pastor. <laughs> you may be seated. So I want to I tell a little story. Remember, our, our scripture says, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, that's the word of God, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. So we, um, we had a very difficult, very um, dark night in our life. We went through a, a struggle, and one of the most painful nights of my life, one of the most painful days of my life, was a night when um, Aaron was at a place, and I've asked his permission to share this story. Um, Aaron was at a place where he wasn't he wasn't doing so well spiritually and and mentally, and he was just in that teenage state of of rebellion where he just he was just. He was just bucking us really hard. And so we had a, a blow up that night, and he um, stormed out of the house with no shoes on and um, ran out of the house and, ran, and he ran away. 
and he left the house. So this was really late at night. And so, you know, I went running through the neighborhood, running through the streets, trying to scream, Aaron, come back home, come back home. You know, I'm crying, Aaron, please come back home. And then I'm driving around till about 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, looking for him. And finally, I was just was so hopeless thinking, I can't find him. I have no idea where he is. I've searched everywhere I could think to search and running through the woods, running through our streets in the middle of the night. And I went back to the house and I just... God, help me out to cry. I got to a place where I just, I went up to my room, and I fell on my knees, and I just collapsed, and I started screaming, started crying, crying out to God. Oh, God, help. Bring him home. God, bring my baby home. And I am, I am just sobbing, and I'm praying, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm just crying, and I'm, I'm pitching basically a big old fit to God. Thank you. And, uh, and as, as I'm, I'm crying and I'm wailing, I mean, I'm talking about an ugly cry, the kind of weeping, and it, like a mourning. And I'm crying out to God, and all of a sudden, God says, God says do you trust me? Um, yeah. <laughs> then shut up, stop your crying, get up off your face, and go to bed. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Lord. So, I mean, he rebuked me. Now, I, it wasn't in the beginning, but, I mean, this, this screaming is my, my, fa- my, my husband and um, Caitlin and Haley come running out of the bedroom. They can attest to, to this, 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 this terror that I was going through. And, and as I was trying to cry out to God, I was trying to give it to him. He was like, do you trust me? And I realized, yes, I do trust you. Then I love him more than you do. I got this. Now get up. Shut up and go to bed. And I was like, okay, this is really going to be really hard to go to bed. I am fretting and I'm worrying. But God was challenging me that if he loves my son more than I do, won't he protect him? And Dallas, Dallas told me, I, you know, I got up off my face and I came in and I went to crawl in the bed. And he said, Holly, it's going to be okay. He'll be home in the morning. He'll come home tomorrow. It's going to be okay. Now, we would think that the whole focus, when I prayed all week, God, what what's story? I don't have a story. What am I supposed to share? I, I knew I had in my notes, I had story. Because I didn't have a story. And yesterday, I was going through the notes, and I was praying over the message. God said, share this. And at first, I was like, well, what's that got to do with what I'm preaching, God? <laughs> and he said, you know, we, we look at the part of, can I trust God with my loved ones? Can I, trust, can I trust God? You know, I could probably use this story for all kinds of messages. But God wanted me to focus on what my husband said. It's going to be okay. He'll be home tomorrow. He spoke, but he spoke out of something inside of his heart. He spoke out of what he knew was true. He spoke out of what he believed. I believed, therefore I spoke. We believe, therefore we speak. He knows that he'd been praying prayers over his son for a long time. He knows that Dallas and I had been speaking scriptures and quoting the word and declaring and speaking over him. He knows that we've pled the blood of Jesus and I'd already prayed Psalm 91. We regularly had been praying Psalm 91 over him. So he he knew that he already put that word out there and that the word of God, according to Isaiah 55, does not return void. So he knew that he was going to be okay because he's already in the hands of God. So because of what he believed, Dallas in that moment could speak what he spoke. And he said, it'll be okay, Holly. He'll be home tomorrow. And guess what happened? It was okay. And he came home tomorrow. 
that very next morning. So I went and I laid my head down and I went to sleep. I went to sleep and I slept like a baby because when he said that, I just knew if I'm really going to trust God, I'm really going to trust God. I'm not going to fret of this. I'm not going to worry. And he spoke it and it happened just as he said. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. The title of my message today is What is Coming Out of Your Mouth? What is Coming Out of Your Mouth? My first point is our words have power. Our words have power. Listen to this, this quote by Charles Caps. Your words are building blocks of which you construct your life and future. Your words set the cornerstone of your life, and you live within the confines of that boundary you create with your words. Situations, circumstances, and conditions are all subject to change. But with the support of your words, you can establish them in your life forever. And, you know, Charles Capps makes that quote, and that's a beautiful quote, but Proverbs 18 and 21 says it even better because it's the Holy Spirit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. We will eat the fruit, and we will bear the consequences of what we say. So I'm either going to eat good fruit, and bear good consequences, or I'm going to eat bad fruit, and I'm going to bear bad consequences based on what is coming out of my mouth. So my question is, what's coming out of our mouths, blessings or curses, life or death? Let's look at James. I'm going to lay a foundation, so I need you guys to hang in there with me for just a little while. We have to lay a foundation first to get to where I want to go with this message. James 3, 2 and then 6, and then 8 through 10. It says this, For if we could control our tongues, that's our language, okay? Tongue is what's the, the language that we say, the words that we speak. We would be perfect. That word perfect there, and I put these definitions in parentheses here. That word means not perfect like I'm perfect and I never make mistakes. No, it means mature or full-grown. So to be a mature and a full-grown believer. And could so we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Look how much power is in the tongue. And go to and among all the parts of the body. This is verse 6. The tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And the next one. But no one can tame, that means subdue. No one can tame or subdue the tongue. It is restless, that means unstable and evil. Full of deadly poison. So he's talking about, and we're going to, I'll define a little bit what evil words consist of or words that are full of deadly poison. Sometimes our tongue, our words, our language praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And James says, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. 
He said, brothers and sisters, James is talking to the church here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to people who are born-again believers. This is the church. And he says, you should not have curses and blessings coming out of the same mouth. Have you ever been there? Has anybody ever struggled with the sins of the mouth? All right. I'll tell you mine. I can get up and I can say, let the words of my mouth. I've got this. I actually have this psalm. It's on an index card and it's taped to my mirror. And I, I can look at it every day and say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Right? And then I can go and I can get in my car and drive to work and let somebody come out and cut out in front of me. And the next thing I know, I'm going, you idiot. You moron. Did you get your driver's license from a Cracker Jack box? You know, and then I'm starting to scream and then I have to repent and say, oh, God. Oh, God, forgive me. I shouldn't call the people you created in your likeness and your image morons. That's your creation. They're not idiots, God. I'm sorry. Right? And I have to start repenting because I'm, I, I, I'm letting these words that are evil come out of my mouth. But, you know, that's me. What about you? What about you? You can say, look, I know the Bible says let no filthy words come out of your mouth. And, oh, God, I'm not going to curse today. I'm not going to let those curse words fly out of my mouth. But then you get to, to your job, and that employee or that, 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 that co-worker is driving you crazy. And they go, and they do something to tick you off, and you got to clean up their mess. And the next thing you know, choice words are flying out your mouth, and then you got to repent. Right? Blessings and curses shouldn't come out of your mouth. But before we get too holy and some of us say, well, I don't, I don't have a problem with cursing. He's not just talking about curse words. Uh, we shouldn't curse because why would I want to damn my house? Why would I want to damn my children and my car? Why would I want to, why would I want to curse my job? Why would I want to curse and damn my employees? Why would we want to do that? You see, the power of death and life is in our tongue. And we reap the consequences of what we say. So you keep cursing your car, and your car is going to get cursed. It's going to act cursed. It's going to break down, right? We keep speaking death and saying, my kid will never amount to anything, or my child will never get their act together. Or maybe you say, my spouse, and you complain about your spouse, or you complain about your job, and you keep going on and whining and complaining about your circumstances. Well, guess what? You're going to eat the fruit of what you say. Because that's what the Bible says. That's not my words. That's the Bible. So our words, they carry so much power. And speaking these curses of evil, and I'm not just referring to curse words, but do you know what these evil words mean? Do you know what the word evil means? It means unrighteous. Unrighteous words. Do you want to know what the height, the height of the most unrighteous words can be? That, that what they are? Doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. Why, Holly? Because the Bible says that God cannot lie. But when I side with Satan with my mouth and I say my tongue agrees with what Satan says and not what God says, and I speak doubt and unbelief out of my mouth, I'm essentially calling God a liar, and he takes that personally. It's an offense to God. So these evil words of doubt and unbelief, complaining, cursing, all these words that we shouldn't say, slandering other people, talking bad about another person, like the, the Bible talks about devouring one another. These things ought not to be, James says. Satan can traffic and operate in my life and in your life 
when we speak these evil words because we open a door and allow him in. It creates a breach. Proverbs 15, 4 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Do you know what a breach is? A breach is, if you, if you follow and you look at, um, like, Israel, and you go to Israel, there's a, the, the Israel had a wall that went around it. Jericho it had a city wall, and it was a thick wall that went around the city. And so they would have a wall, and it would guard the people that lived inside the city, and the gates would go up at night, and it would seal in the people into the protection of the city so that the enemy, evil people, couldn't get in, and the people inside were safe at night when Enemies would try to attack, and in, people would come in with, with, with no good intentions. So as long as you were inside the city and behind the walls, you were safe. But a breach in the wall is when some point of the wall becomes weakened, and it creates a hole in a wall, and the enemy only needs a crack that where they can slip in unnoticed because they're not near the gate. They come in by a breach in the wall. And Proverbs 15.4 is saying that perverseness... Evil speaking, words that should not come out of our mouth, is a breach in the spirit. So we allow Satan access in our lives with our words of doubt, our words of unbelief, cursing, gossip, complaining, slander. These evil words, when they come out of our mouth, a breach is created and Satan, the enemy, is allowed to come in. So the enemy knows that the way to keep me from becoming a mature and a full-grown believer is to get me to stumble in what I say. So if I have constant problems and issues and annoyances in my life, maybe I should check what's coming out of my mouth. Are you cursing everything and everyone around you? Are you cursing your circumstances? So that's point number one. Our words have power. Point number two. Our words are a direct reflection of what we believe. I cannot separate my tongue from, from my heart. This goes hand in hand. It cannot be separated. So Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. The other the King James Version in the new KJV says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we say what we truly believe. If you really want to know someone, you really want to get to know somebody, just listen to them talk. They're going to tell you a lot if you just sit back and listen to what they say. Are you ready for this? Listen, my mouth tells me who I listen to the most. My mouth tells me whose side I'm on. My mouth tells me who I side with the most. You know the little analogy of the two little devils? You, I mean, the, the, two, the devil on the one shoulder and the angel on the other. You got the evil and the good. Whoever I listen to the most is what I'm going to speak. So if I'm praying and begging God and asking God to do something out of one breath and asking for this miracle here and for God to do this here, but then out of the next breath I say, well, and I negate it, and I speak as a word of complaint, well, God must not have heard me. I'll never get that promotion. And whatever, if we start speaking that, then we are siding with Satan's lies instead of siding with God's words of truth. Proverbs 4, 20 through 24. This is why... Now that listening to what I've said about our words have power and, and they're a direct reflection of what we believe. Look at Proverbs 4. This is why God says, my child, pay attention 
to what I say. Pay attention. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep, 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 deep into your heart, not your head. He didn't say let you just think it's true. You got to do, it's not my head knowledge, it's my heart that believes. I don't believe with my head, I believe with my heart. Don't let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. My words bring life and healing to myself. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, people, because Satan is coming after your belief system. Guard your heart above all else, for it, your heart, determines the chorus of your whole life. Check this out. Guard your heart. Now, verse 24, avoid all perverse talk. Perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. James says the tongue sets the whole life on fire, and it corrupts the entire body. God's word in Proverbs 4 says, God's word determines the whole course of my life and brings healing to my whole body. So which one is it? Blessings or curses? My words are a direct reflection of what I believe, and they will either produce death or life, blessings or curses. My words tell me who I believe the most. I believed, and therefore I spoke. We believe, therefore we speak. So what's coming out of our mouths? Blessings or curses? Faith or doubt? Good or evil? This is a hard question, but we really need to judge ourselves in this moment and say, God, what am I saying? Because whatever I'm saying is completely reflecting what I really believe. So if James says, Holly, that no man can tame the tongue, how in the world is there any hope for me? What am I supposed to do about this? If no man can tame it, it's, it, it, James says it's hopeless, right? Well, no, it's not, and I want to show you why. Your third, my third point is know whose and who you are. If I know the truth, then I'll believe the truth. And if I believe the truth, then I'll speak the truth, because that's what 2 Corinthians 4.13 says. I believed, therefore I spoke. But I need to lay more foundation. I promise we're going to get somewhere. Just hang in there with me. We're going to get somewhere. But in order to know whose I am and who I am, I have to go back to the beginning and lay another foundation. we got to look to the very beginning and see how God operated. Did you know when God wanted something, he spoke to it? From the entire beginning of Genesis, the Bible says God spoke. Let there be light, and there was light. And let there be water, there was water. And whatever God said, he spoke to it, and it was, and it was created. So then God says in Genesis 1, 26, and then in 1, 28, God says, let's make man in our image to be like us, not just to look like him, but to be like him. So let's look at Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign, that word means like rulership, over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, Genesis 1.28. I'm going to read this one in the Amplified Version. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority, and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subjugate it, putting it under your power. And rule over that dominate 
the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. This Genesis 126 and 128, this is the dominion mandate. It's called the dominion mandate where God sets up our authority and how he designed and how he created man to be in his image. But you say, well, that's the Old Testament, Holly. That's in Genesis. So you want to see it in the New Testament. I'm glad you asked. Let me show you Romans 5, 17. For if by the trespass of one man, Adam... Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So God has made us to be like him, a perfect mirror of himself here on earth. And that included his rulership, his authority, so that we would rule and reign in life. And you say, well, Holly, that kind of sounds like heresy. Have you ever heard the expression that apple doesn't fall from far from the tree? Anybody ever heard that expression? We were just saying over dinner the other night, I looked at Dallas and said, Aaron, is you made over. That boy is just like you. And Dallas was like, and he starts laughing and everything. And then, you know, my mom has always said, Holly, Haley, is you made over? I mean, from the time she could talk, my parents would say, it's, it's so weird. It's like, it's like having you all over again as a kid. It's just like the things that come out of that child's mouth. It's just like you. She's so much like you. It's hilarious. We even, Dallas and I, look at each other so many times, and we start laughing, and we just know the look is saying, she's your child. And then I just had Lindsay just tell me back there in the, in, the, uh, in the green room, he said, boy, after rehearsal, he said, boy, Caitlin, man, she is just like you. She's, man, she's got it. She leads worship just like you lead worship. Boy, she is her mother's daughter. You know, th- that doesn't offend me in Dallas. Do you know when you tell me that my kids act like me, that they act like us, that they have our work ethic, that they look like us? Yeah, they look like us, and that's great. But when you say, man, your kids are you made over, man, that makes me proud. I'm like, yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm proud that my kids carry my value system. I'm proud that my kids behave the way that we behave. I'm proud that they carry so much passion and they want justice just like their mother and their father. I'm proud that they talk like us, that they act like us. I'm not ashamed of that. How do you think God feels about you, his sons and daughters? He said he created you and me not just to look like him to the world, but to be like him to the world. So that if God couldn't be in a room and Dallas couldn't be in a room and Aaron walked in, everybody's thinking of Dallas. Oh, my goodness, he sounds just like you. If God isn't in the room and I walk in the room and you walk in the room, everybody can say, man, he's just like God. I feel the presence of God when you're around. I sense the power of God. I sense the anointing on you. I don't know what this is that I feel when I get in your presence, but something about you looks like God. Something about you reminds me of the power, of the authority, of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God is not ashamed of that. God is proud, and he sits back in the, on the throne room of heaven, and he probably looks at Jesus and says, Man, that's my boy. Man, that's my daughter. I'm proud that they're acting like me. Why? Because we display his glory. God created us to be like him because he wants us to be, be as a verb. He wants us to be like him. 
So he made Adam in his image and he gave him authority to rule, to reign in life on the earth, to have dominion over the earth, not over people, but over the earth system, to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, to bring the kingdom of heaven down into earth. And we see how operated like his daddy, like his father God, because Adam did just like God did. When Adam named the animals, he spoke and he called it a lion. It became a lion. He named it a bear. It became a bear. He called it a giraffe. It became a giraffe. So the first son, Adam, was given by God this full authority over the earth. And then when he sinned, he lost that dominion and he lost that authority. And Satan then became the God of this world. And you can find that in 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 3, where it says Satan is the God of the world. You can look that up in Matthew 4 and 8 as well and see where Satan tempted. He say, he's tempted Jesus with all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, I'll give this to you if you'll bow down to me. Satan couldn't have tempted Jesus with something that he couldn't give him. Because Satan became the little G-O-D, the little God of this world, because of Adam's sin and his treason. But Jesus, in order to know what Jesus gave... I have the second son. I have to understand what the first son lost. Jesus came and he gave himself as a sacrifice to pay the price for our sins once and for all. Then he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and he defeated the enemy. He raised himself up from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. He went up to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God, which is the power hand of God. And then he sent and gave us the Holy Spirit, his power, to come and take up residency in live inside of us so the first son lost the glory and the authority of God but the second son gave it back so because of Jesus Christ we've been transferred out of Satan's kingdom of darkness and into God's kingdom of light Colossians 1 13 for he rescued us from the domain that's the authority of darkness that Satan's domain, Satan's kingdom, and he transferred us, another version says conveyed us, to the kingdom of his beloved son, or in other translations reads, to the kingdom of light. I've said this before, but I'm going to repeat it quickly. Jude 6. Jude 6 says that Satan has been reserved in chains, a reservation, a boundary has been given to Satan, according to Jude 6, in everlasting darkness. Darkness doesn't mean the absence of light. Darkness means ignorance. So Satan is allowed to traffic and to operate and to wreak havoc in our life in the area he has a legal, uh, he has legal authority as long as we stay on his reservation of ignorance. Darkness. So he's allowed to traffic and operate in the areas that you do not know. He's allowed to traffic and operate in the areas we do not know. So, therefore, we as believers, we have been, the Bible says, I've been transferred and I've been pulled out of his kingdom of darkness. I live in the world, in the earth, cursed system where he is the little G-O-D. But I, I am not under his rulership. I have been pulled out of his darkness. I've been pulled out of his authority because I received Jesus Christ in my heart. And then Jesus picked me up and he raised me above the laws that govern Satan's kingdom. And because I'm a citizen of the kingdom, I now live under the laws of the kingdom of heaven. So the darkness, the power of darkness doesn't have any authority over me. 
See, Jesus gave us back the same spirit, the same presence of God that walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us because of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 6 says, and raised Jesus, raised us up with him. And he seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm told I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. I've been raised up. How can I physically be raised up? I'm seated. Where is Jesus seated? In heaven. Ephesians 2, 6. Where is he seated at? The right hand of God. The right hand of God is the power of God. So I am somehow, even though I'm physically in my body, present in this world, on this earth, somehow my spirit is seated with Jesus beside God. In heavenly places. I'm not making this up. It's the scripture. You're reading it just like I am. I'm not making this up. This is where we are. We're seated at the power hand of God. So therefore, we have power. We have authority to rule. We reign. We are like our heavenly Father to have authority to rule and reign in this life because we are in Christ. The whole book of Ephesians, go read it. It says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the, is, is, means the anointing. It's his function. He functioned in the anointing. So I'm not, see, I am not, I'm not in Jesus. I am in Christ. You're not in Jesus. You're in the anointing. Jesus ascended up to heaven, and the Bible says he sat down. And you and I are not going to get him back up because he's finished. He's not getting back up. He gave us and he sent us the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the solution. I said all of that to get you to understand, to know who you are and whose you are and what's inside of you, who lives inside of you. So the Holy Spirit is the solution to my tongue problem. I delay all that foundation just to tell you this. We need to be baptized and filled to overflowing in the Holy Spirit. The very thing I cannot control, he can tame if I will just surrender it to him. Isn't it funny that the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to speak in a different language? is to open up and to give surrender of my tongue to God so that he can give me a new language. He can give me a new spirit. He can put a new word and a new belief system into my heart that will allow me to speak what God speaks. So we've got to surrender our tongue. We've got to surrender our language to God, and he'll give me a new language. So instead of speaking death and curses, the Holy Spirit will know how to speak life and blessings through me. He'll help me. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We are, the, the, a kingdom is an extension of a rule. Because Jesus restored what Adam lost. Jesus came and he brought the extension of rulership of heaven into earth. So the only way that you and I are going to bring the extension of his kingdom into our life on this earth is to do like our heavenly father did. He said, when you pray, pray in this way. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done. You say it. You speak it out there. So the only way that I'm going to get the kingdom of heaven to come down into earth in my life is if I start opening my mouth and speaking to the situations in my life that do not reflect the kingdom of heaven. And when I speak, I don't speak with ignorance. I speak knowing whose I am, knowing who I belong to, knowing that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives and breathes inside of me. I know that I have the likeness. I know that I have the authority of the Holy Spirit residing inside of this temple so I can speak like my Father. And when I speak, He's standing up in heaven just waiting to back up my words. Bring me my water, please. Do you know, you and I, if you're a believer, thank you. You believe on Jesus Christ. And you accept God to come and take a presence in your heart. You have the full weight of the glory of God backing up your words. I have the full weight of the glory of God backing up what I say. You say, Holly, that's pretty strong. Really? Look at Colossians 1.27. This is probably one of the most incredible verses in the Bible. To them, God willed to make known so that I can, who the Son, not that one, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's why that verse is so powerful. Because when I know what God knows and when I ski and I get an understanding of who I am, whose he is, and I know the word of God, instantly when I get a revelation, a rhema word, a revelation of the truth of what God says, I instantly am set free because I now believe in the truth and not the lies. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory Christ in you not Jesus in you Jesus is sitting beside God in heaven and he's going to come back but right now we got the the holy spirit in us Christ the anointing the residency of the power that raised Christ from the dead in 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 inside of me he's in me the minute you believed on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit took, came and took up residency. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because whatever God is going to do, it's not going to be something that's externally. It's not something that God has got to take from out there and get inside of me. No, God's already put everything, every destiny, every plan, everything that you've ever and he ever created you to do from the foundation of the earth. He's taken and put it in you and he's trying to get you to push it out. He needs you to start speaking to some things. See, we're sitting around waiting for stuff to come up out the air duct, thinking it's coming out the air duct. No, it's already in you. 
It's already Christ in me, the hope of glory. So when I speak what God speaks, God is sitting in heaven saying, I'm so glad you finally got it. I'm so glad you finally started speaking, said that you believe on me, so therefore you can speak. Because I'm just sitting up here waiting for somebody to bring my kingdom of heaven down into the earth and to open up their mouth and tell cancer to get out in the name of Jesus. I'm just waiting for somebody to speak and to believe in me so that I can back up what they say. We just need to speak to some things. I believe, therefore, I spoke. So my last point is start speaking what God speaks. Start speaking what God speaks. Let me set this up for you. James 4, 7. Anytime you struggle with anything in your life, this is how you deal with it. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We always love to talk about resisting the devil, right? Oh, I can just resist the devil. I get out of here, Satan, right? But the first part of that verse says to submit to God. Do you know what that means? It means to come in agreement with God. So I got to stop siding with Satan with my mouth i got to stop believing the lies that Satan puts in my heart, and i got to stop speaking those lies out of my mouth. I've got to say, I'm going to come into agreement if God's Word says it. I'm going to believe it, period, no matter what I feel, no matter what happens in my circumstances, no matter how bad things get around me, no matter if I speak to my situation and it gets worse, I am not backing down because God cannot lie. So I'm going to agree with Satan. I'm going to agree with God and say, not today, Satan. I'm not buying your lies anymore. Not another moment, not another second. God's word says, and that's all there is to it. I agree with God now because I agree with God and I believe in my heart God's words. Now I'm going to speak, I'm going to resist you and command you to leave. That's how you deal with temptation. That's how you deal with the enemy getting in your head. There's power in speaking God's word. Do you know God wants us to operate like he did? If he spoke and worlds were formed, he then sent Jesus down to the earth, and Jesus modeled exactly how we're supposed to live. You know, when Jesus rebuked the storm and he said, peace be still, a raging storm stopped. Jesus didn't pray and beg God to stop the storm. Jesus just said, Peace be still. And instantly it stopped. Jesus said to a dead man named Lazarus that was in a tomb, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't pray. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he said, Lazarus, if he would have just said, come forth, every dead body in the grave would have come up out that tomb. But Lazarus, still wrapped in grave clothes, who had been dead for four days, came walking out of a tomb. Jesus looked at a man full of a legion of demons, and he said, come out of that man. And a legion of demons instantly, instantly left that man. And he was restored and made whole. Jesus spoke to, and he took bread, five loaves and two fish, and he put them in his hands, and he blessed it. And after he spoke a blessing over it, five loaves and two fish multiplied and fed a thousand, five thousand men and plus women and children, which is an estimated crowd of 15,000 people. He blessed, and that stuff multiplied. Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, and Satan said, Throw yourself down from here. Satan said, did God really say? Did God really say? And he tried to get Jesus to side with his lies. He tried to get Jesus to take sides with the enemy. And Jesus said, it is written. 
I want you to, Jesus practiced James 4, 7. This is what he did. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. Right? It is written. Do, do not test the Lord thy God. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God only. And then he said, away with you, Satan. He agreed with God, and he spoke God's word out loud. You got to do more than just praying in your head, people. You got to put that word out there with your mouth and start praying and speaking to some things. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He said, away with you, Satan. And instantly, the Bible says immediately, Satan left him. God made us like him to be like him. And Jesus set the example of how we should operate to be the extension of his rule on earth. Start speaking to some circumstances and tell them to get out of your way. You have the authority. God wants me to believe and therefore speak. Hang in here with me. I know it's 412. Two more scriptures. Look at Romans 10, 8 through 10. I have to show you the power. There, don't get me wrong. There is praying where we petition and ask God, okay? There is that prayer. You can read it in Philippians and make your petition known to God with thanksgiving, right? And Philippians 4 tells us that there's a prayer of petition where we ask. But these two scriptures I'm going to show you, these two scriptures I'm going to show you are where we're supposed to speak. We speak what God speaks, I don't speak what I want. I don't speak my opinion. Don't get me wrong here. You can go out and, and speak a bunch of nonsense and nothing's going to happen. You can't, I, can't, I can't speak to a mountain unless I know whose I am and who I am, knowing that I've got the word of God, God's promises to back up what I'm going to say. But there's a different type of, of praying that is confessing, that is speaking, that is declaring with my mouth. So Romans 10, 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you, that's God's words, and in your mouth and in your heart. You see that? You can't separate the tongue from the heart. What comes out of my mouth is what I truly believe. In your mouth and in your heart. God's already put his word in you. Don't you know that? He's already put it inside of you. The Holy Spirit's there. He's just waiting for you to open the Bible so he can reveal it to you. He can teach you some things. That is the word of faith which we preach. The next slide. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see that confession and belief again. The last, this last verse. For with the heart, not the head, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Remember, evil words that I said are unrighteousness, but with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We take that word salvation, and this is rightfully so. It does mean we take the scripture in the church, and we use this scripture to get people saved, and this is how you get saved. This is what you tell people when they want to believe on Jesus Christ. But then we just stop there. And it means so much more. And God is saying that word salvation means deliverance, preservation, health, healing. It does mean salvation, and it means to be made whole. So it's got the eternal perspective to be saved eternally. But it also has, it's, that's one of, the, one of the meetings. The other meetings are all for me to use while I'm down here living on this earth. I mean, things are going to be perfect when I get to heaven. Right now, I need some help while I'm still down here on the earth. It says, for with the heart one believes. So if I believe that God is my deliverer 
and I believe that he's going to deliver me, then I can speak and I can open up my mouth and I confess it and then I will get deliverance. Mouth, the mouth is with the mouth. Confession is made unto deliverance. If I believe in my heart that I am healed, then with the mouth I'll confess it and confession is made unto healing. If I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that I'm made whole, then I will be made whole. I will be saved. He will come and he will give me safety. He'll give me preservation. He'll give me what I need. One more scripture to show you this. Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, period. I love that. Period. Don't have faith in anything else, not yourself, not your job. Don't have faith in somebody else because the only person that can help you is God. God is your source. For assuredly, I say, look how many times I've, I've capitalized and underlined the word say. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, says, he doesn't say whoever prays to this mountain. Do you see this? Who says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Next slide. And does not doubt in his heart, not his head. Doesn't doubt in his heart. Satan will tempt you in your head to have doubts. But it's when you think on those doubts, then they slide down into your heart. You cannot dwell. That's why he said, pay attention to my words. Put my words deep into your heart because he knows Satan is coming after what you believe. He's going to come after and try to steal the seed, steal the word. So he says, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what those things he says, what he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you maybe, possibly, you know, will means will. You will, you will, you will have them. It might take a while, but if you'll keep standing on the word and not speaking and negating the promises of God with your mouth, you will have them. Satan knows this. He knows how powerful we are when we understand and we know who we are whose we are, what we have inside of us, and we, we realize this a dominion mandate, this authority that I was created to be like God and to speak like God and to speak what God speaks. If he, he knows that if we understand that I've been transferred and I'm no longer bound to Satan's kingdom of darkness, but I've been transferred into his kingdom of light and that I'm been created in the image to be like him, If he knows that if I understand that I am in Christ, I'm in the anointing, and that when I speak, my words will not fail fail if I speak his words. He knows if we start acting like this and speaking like this and believing like this, that he is going to be in some very big trouble because he will lose. The problem is we don't really believe Mark 11. We don't really practice the, script, the scripture because we don't believe it. And if I don't believe it, I can't speak it. So we pray and we ask God to heal us. And then we keep speaking death over our bodies and we say, well, I don't feel any different. God must not have healed me. Do you know you could be praying for something for years and say that one sentence, 20 seconds of words can totally negate and nullify every prayer you ever prayed. Just like that, you could abort the promise of God. That's why there's 
He said, these things shouldn't be. There shouldn't be blessings and cursings coming out of either side of your mouth. We nullify God's promises and we negate our prayers when we speak the death and curses. You can't let Satan get in your heart. You cannot believe his words no matter what you see, no matter what you feel. Satan says, well, it must not be God's will for me to heal, be healed. Curses, lies. And you say, not today, Satan, because 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes I was healed. Satan says, you'll never get that promotion. You say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, you say, curses, lies, not today, Satan, because if Daniel could be raised and made ten times better than all the rest and be gifted with administration, God will gift me and raise me above all the rest of my, uh, my job, and he will give me the ability and the wisdom to do administration and do the things that I need to do to get that promotion on my job. You say, my marriage will end in divorce, curses, lies, not today, Satan, because God's word says nothing is too difficult for him. With God, all things are possible. You say, I'll never be free from this. No, not today, Satan. Curses, lies, lies. I will not side with you, Satan. Satan tries to get you to believe his lie that you'll never be able to forgive that person for what they did for you. You say, not today, Satan. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. I will not fall for your lies and your curses. The devil tries to tell you, nobody loves you. You say curses, lies. Not today, Satan. I'm not siding with you. I'm not taking up sides with you. I'm siding with God, and I am loved because Jesus said in his word that the God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in me would perish. He also said that I can love because Jesus first loved me. That's all lies. Not today, Satan. He tries to tell you that you're dumb and you're stupid. You say not today, Satan. James tells me that I I can ask for wisdom, and if I ask, God will give it to me liberally. I am not stupid. I am not dumb. I've got the wisdom of the Holy Spirit residing inside of me. Satan tells you, oh, God will never be able to forgive you for what you've done. You say, not today, Satan. First John 1, 9 says that if I confess my sins, he is, he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Not today, Satan. This is how you deal with the devil. This is how you deal with it. God has put the spirit of God inside of us, and it's time that we start acting like our father, being like our father, speaking like our father, fully believing that when we speak, he will back up his word with miracles, signs, and wonders. God's word works when we work it. But I can't speak what I believe. I speak I believed, therefore I spoke. We believe, therefore we speak. That was our scripture. I have to believe it, and I can't work it, and I can't work God's word if I don't know it. I cannot demand to have peace, and I can't demand for anxiety to leave me if I don't know that 2 Timothy 1, 7 says that God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. I can't, I can't speak to God to, to give my children understanding when they're doing things that they, that they shouldn't do, when they're acting out ways that they shouldn't act, or when I know that my adult children or I know my father or my mother or a loved one in my life, is, is there, there's an area in their life where if they only could see what they were doing to themselves, I can't speak. 
James, I mean, Ephesians 1 and 17 over them. If I don't know that I can pray the prayer that Paul prayed and I can say, oh God, I pray that you give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding, that you open the eyes of their enlightenment so they may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the glorious inheritance of the riches of the saints in Christ Jesus. I can't say that if I don't know that. I can't speak over my loved ones and command that they be saved if I don't know that 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says that Satan is the God of this world and he has blinded the hearts of unbelievers. And if I don't know that Matthew 18 and 18 gives me the power that whatsoever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I cannot bind the enemy from keeping my lost loved ones blinded to the truth of the gospel of the light of Jesus Christ if I don't know that it's in the Bible and I can use it. We got to get in the Word. How am I supposed to operate like Jesus did if I've never studied and read the book to find out how Jesus did it? We are our Father's children. So it's time that I start acting like my Father. I believed, and therefore I spoke. We believe, therefore we speak. Who's ready to speak to your circumstances? Who's ready to command some mountains to move out of your way? I know this was a lot. I, I, I cut pages out of this, y'all. It's too hard to get up here and, and, and teach something that's I've been studying for like years. Like at least three years I've been cramming this stuff in there. You can tell it's taken so long to retrain my brain to say, look, I know when I start to speak, sometimes things get worse. I know that I can declare healing over my body and the pain intensifies. And that happens. You know, it happened to Jesus too. A father had a son who was demon-possessed, and he kept throwing himself down and convulsing and throwing him into fires. And the poor dad was like, can you help my son? And Jesus said, yeah. And so Jesus, Jesus just showed up, and the boy just fell on the floor and started convulsing. And then Jesus starts having a conversation with the father, and he's like, hey, you, how often does he do this? Now, the kid's jerking around and convulsing, foaming out the mouth on the ground, and Jesus is just having a conversation with the daddy. And then Jesus speaks to the thing and tells it to come out of him. And if the situation wasn't bad enough, it went to worse. First, the boy was standing there, and Jesus shows up, and he falls on the ground, and he starts convulsing. Then Jesus is having a conversation, and he convulses worse. Then Jesus says, come out of the boy, and he starts convulsing even worse. And then all of a sudden, he stops, and the Bible says, everybody was like, oh, my goodness, he's dead. So it went from bad to worse to more worse. So if it could happen to Jesus, Satan doesn't want to let you free. So we believe this and we start speaking this, your symptoms may get worse. The devil fought hard to be freed, but let me tell you something. While it looked like he was dead and all the crowd started going, oh, he killed him, he killed him, he's dead, y'all. Jesus reached down and he picked him up and he was completely whole. So don't think for a second that if I'm going to believe this and I'm going to speak to that mountain in my life and say, get 
out of my way that it will not happen. Just keep believing. Keep speaking God's words. And if it gets worse, just do it more. Speak the word of God more. Declare it more. Guard your mouth. Don't let doubt and faith and unbelief come out of your mouth. Don't say a negative word about another person. Don't give in to the temptation to complain about the circumstances. But keep your mouth pure and holy and keep speaking God's word. And I'm telling you, you stand on that sucker. It will come back with results because Isaiah 55 says that God's word does not return void. It doesn't come back empty-handed. So if you put it out there, it's going to happen. So who's ready to start speaking to some situations?